It's the commute home with Nick and Derek. From Chicago's northwest suburbs, our hosts chat about, well, you know, whatever two middle-aged men like to talk about. The workday is done. Time to grit your teeth, get through the traffic, and make the commute home. Hey, this is Derek. This is Nick. How you doing, man? I'm good, sir. How are you? How have you been? I've been good. It's been a quiet uh, weekend and a quiet week. Nothing much going on. Quiet is always good. Yeah, it can be. Even politics has slowed down. Not not too much going on politically this week. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Yeah, especially lately. Absolutely. Yeah, really. That's the truth. Yeah, it's like, hey, no, no uh, mass shootings yet this week. It's going to be a good week. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. Good point. So I'm on my way to the airport. Yeah, for for some reason I thought he was coming back Sunday. I don't know why. But, so uh, he was coming back Sunday. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they um, they get up, they go to the airport there. I, I think they were in Germany that day. I'm not really positive. I lost track. But uh, so they get, they go to the airport and um, they get to the airport and find out the flight is canceled because the the plane never showed up. So um, so they had to spend another night there. And then yesterday, you know, they get on the plane. They come back to the states. They have a connecting flight uh, layover in Philadelphia. So there's some pretty bad storms in the Northeast. So their flight from Philly to Chicago got canceled yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they spent last night in Philadelphia, and he is currently in the air now after today's flight was supposed to leave at 11 o'clock Philadelphia time. It didn't leave until after 1 o'clock Philadelphia time. So. <laughs> so so now he knows what it's like to be a business traveler. Yeah, now he knows what it's like to be a business traveler. Now he knows what it's like to be, you know, sort of on his own while dealing with all of this craziness that is the flight system in our world. Yeah, I, I did a few one-day trips for work where I would literally fly someplace, you know, fly out of, out of O'Hare like at 6 a.m., get there you know, do meetings all day and then fly home and be home like at 8 p.m. at night. And I did that a few times until finally once it finally bit me when we finally had like a huge, like a two hour delay, which screwed up the entire day. And I ended up having like an hour long meeting instead of an eight hour long meeting. It was just, it was just one delay after another, after another. Yeah, I, uh, man, it's tough. Airports are tough anyway. And, you know, when delays happen or cancellations, I mean, especially if you like, you don't know that that stuff is, is really tough. So I can imagine it's been really stressful for him, but, uh, you know, he hasn't went insane, at least for as far as I can tell. So <laughs> any more than he was. Yeah. Yeah. Any more than he was. So my wife has definitely been on edge about it. She's like, <laughs> what if, what if he doesn't get his luggage or what if this? And I'm just like, it's okay. It's out of our hands. It'll all be okay. No, right. no, 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 no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, stress out about it. That'll make it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That 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 fixes all problems. Is worrying about them. 
So, you know, I've, I've had an interesting fact that I've held on to for a little while that I wanted to share with you. Okay. And that is uh, on uh, May, t- May 3rd, the TSA was all over the interwebs uh, on Instagram bragging about a record day that they had. A record day? A record day. that They set a new record. For what? For discovering firearms on persons and on their carry-on luggage. So that's a good thing? They seem to be really excited about it. Like, hey, look at the good job we're doing. We're going to put this all over the interwebs. On May 3rd, they uh, discovered 26 firearms throughout the U.S. trying On people and on their carry-on baggage trying to board planes in the U.S. So I imagine this is probably a felony, right? I looked it up online. It's anywhere. It's it's very vague. It's anywhere from a fine to jail time, and I guess the fine can be uh, like up to eleven thousand dollars. And I, it seems like you really gotta like throw like cause a stink or have uh, uh, some sort of history to to get jail time for it. So I think it's actually just a slap on the wrist. It's a fine. What? Oops, I forgot. Oh, okay. Here, pay us a bunch of money, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, and it seems discretionary too. Like they can choose to find them or not. So I, I I hunted around online trying to find an answer for it, and it was pretty vague. So I'm not really sure what the system is for the fines and possible jail time. So what happens to the gun? I don't know. I was also looking around for that. I couldn't find it. My dad got flagged once. Um, and I, I know people that have like forgotten. They've tried to uh, bring on like uh, folding uh, like pocket knives with them on the planes. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 what they usually do is that they're like, well, we'll give you the option to mail at home at your own cost, or you can just throw it away right here. So they might give them the mail at home option. Hmm. I wonder if they say, well, you can just throw it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like here, this is the gun garbage over here. That's interesting. It was funny, uh, right after 9-11, they weren't even letting lighters onto airplanes. And, you know, back when I was a smoker, uh, that, that stunk. So there was like a, like a bin at every airport where everyone threw their lighters into uh, you know, as they're going through security. And then when I would land on the other side and when I would come out, we would all go, go to those bins and pick up someone, else, someone else's uh, lighter that they threw away on the way into the airport. A lighter sharing program. Yeah, yeah. It was like the... Uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. You know, it was the smoker's <laughs> version of that. That's, that's, that's funny. Uh, that's really funny. Oh, man, smokers. Smokers are an interesting breed. Uh, any, so? Anything for a toke off of a cigarette. Hey, hey it's a drug. And, yeah, uh, I know. It, and 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 they claim it's a very addictive drug. Uh, one of the most addictive. They they say way more addictive than heroin. Well, I tell you what. Something that's interesting to me is uh, people, and I've seen people uh, very recently that will pick up cigarette butts and smoke them if they do not have cigarettes. It's very yeah. very interesting that somebody would choose to put their mouth on some stranger's cigarette butt that has been laying on the ground. But uh, if it's as addictive as they say it is, maybe maybe that's the issue. I've never had the issue. I've never been a smoker, so I cannot judge. 
Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's it, yeah. I, I they just did a study last year, and uh, maybe I'll dig it up sometime about the most addictive and destructive drugs out there. And uh, cigarettes are very, very high on that list. They're they're not that destructive. That's why they weren't number one on the list. But they're very addictive. Interesting. Very very interesting. So uh, yeah, so don't take guns to the airport. That's bad. That's stupid. Oh, and, and of the 26 guns that were dis- discovered, uh, 21 were loaded. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I'm glad yeah. they found them all. So so I have a question for you then, talking about that. So what is the the legal ramifications for marijuana on airplanes? Hmm. What I mean by that is, so recently I, I traveled to Denver, right? And Colorado is, you know, now marijuana is legal, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so they have, you know, have you ever been in the airport where TSA gets backed up and they're just like, you know, the heck with all this, just we're going to bring out the dog, you know, and. (laughs) No, I haven't. You've never been through that before? No, I haven't. It's It's happened to me twice in the past year. They get so busy at security. Once was in Orlando, once was in Denver where they literally are just bringing the dog back and forth, and then they send you through the metal detector, you know, shoes on, belts on the whole nine yards, and um, because they get so busy. And I'm like, I wonder what that dog is trained to smell, because literally in Denver Airport, there are so many people that smell like weed, and I'm like, that jo- dog either has no clue what the hell he's supposed to be sniffing for, or he's just numb to the fact that everybody smells like weed in Denver. <laughs> well, at the airport, isn't that isn't that actually an explosive sniffing sniffing dog, not a drug sniffing dog? I don't know. Is it? I would think so. So you can smuggle cocaine, but not a bomb. Okay. For I mean, domestic I- flights, I-, I think that's what they're more concerned about. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't not, I don't know the technicalities of it or anything like that. So that's why I was curious. I thought maybe you knew because you're a world traveler. So, uh, you know what? I, I, I knew someone who uh, went to Colorado on vacation last year and they kind of talked to me a little bit about uh, what if they brought marijuana back with them and got caught. And that's actually uh, taking a controlled substance across state lines. And and I and the, the transporting stuff across state lines, I think that falls under that might be that might be ATF because that, that's an interstate commerce thing as well. And yeah, the the, the whole transferring across st- st- uh, state lines thing does get you in trouble more so if you're just discovered with it on the street. Okay, so the person took like what, like edibles or like actual marijuana across state lines. Well, well, they were saying, uh, theoretically, if they had. Wink, oh. wink. Oh, oh, theoretically, if they right. had. Uh-huh. Right. No, no, they, they just had um, uh, marijuana, not edibles. Okay, so they just had marijuana, and do we know what, like, what happened to them? Obviously, no jail time, at least not, you know, significant jail time. No, they didn't get caught. Uh, if that theoretically happened, but they were talking, but they kind of knew the consequences of it. So if they had done this and if they had got caught, they may have got in serious issue. But since they didn't, 
if do it or they didn't get caught, they didn't have ramifications. Theoretically. Theoretically, that is correct. Theoretically. Okay. Very good. Like I'm such a paranoid person about breaking the law. Like I, I don't know. I, I would like, I'd be one of those people that would like freak the hell out on the way to the, to the terminal and throw it in the trash can. <laughs> Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going down for this. Oh, anyone. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah trying to smuggle something uh, the, the way I am. I couldn't see how it'd be worth it, especially in, through airports. I mean, I think you got to be heavy, heavy, heavy into it for you to want to, you know, try to smuggle whatever on a plane. It's, yeah. I've never, I've never come close to that urge. Yeah. My, my ignorance to the law and like the penalties and everything like that, like somebody could try and give me like an edible sucker to, to with THC or whatever in it to bring home. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that crap. No, I can't do it. Sorry. I'm not going down for your sucker, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the edibles, uh, they, those are hardcore. That, that, that is a different kind of reaction than smoking marijuana. It's, uh, edibles are more of a hallucinogenic reaction. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, don't break yeah, the law and, and, and drugs are bad. You know, and, and and I don't know what the laws are on edibles too. It's, it's a different. Uh, that's different again because I think in those it's a very low amount of uh, marijuana, and usually the way you're charged is by how much marijuana you have on you. Good point. Yeah. Wow. So much technicalities on the drug game. Yeah, <laughs> it's something I don't want to worry about. I don't want to learn about it. I don't want to know about it. Uh, I just want to, uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I respect the law enforcement. I respect them so much. I want to make their jobs as easy as possible and I don't break the law so yeah. they can just do their thing and I can do my thing. Yeah. That's kind of how I am. Like, I, you know, I, I teeter sometimes about whether it should be legal just nationwide, but I do know for the fact that it's not legal where I live. So I want no part of it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I've, I've even been I've even been reading up on uh, on CBD oil, and uh, that seems so interesting. It seems like it's got a lot of like helpful effects to it, and it, that one's on the border. It's it's kind of illegal. It's kind of legal, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, because that, that's made from the same plant. It's just got the non-psychoactive parts of it. Right. It's got it's got like the medicinal positives without the other stuff that goes with it. So yeah, and even that's a kind of because when you go and you read deeply, yeah, some of the some of the other stuff does get in there, and and they don't they don't kind of cover that up. They they admit that some of the good stuff does get in there, but they say it's usually a very very small amount. Yeah, but and I would I would venture to say how could it not? You know, you can't right. extract just one thing a hundred percent of the time without you know there being some residuals in there. So, uh, I mean, I I'm a fool. I like I yeah yeah. It's I a think, weird one too, because because in Illinois on the bo- on the books CBD oil is illegal, but yet uh, my vape shop uh, or the vape shop I used to go to sells it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I I would be 
lying if I said I knew enough about this stuff to to give an opinion either way. I know that I've heard a lot of positives for it medicinally, so um, if that's the truth, then I think that, you know, make it so that people can use it and, and go on about your day. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I mean, now there's companies making uh, CBD roll-ons. So it's kind of like, like an icy hot roll-on stick uh, for inflammation in your joints. I've heard it works fantastically well. You know, my parents with all the joint pains that they have, I'd love to have them try it out. But again, it's this sketchy kind of on the border thing and, it, and it's expensive too, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, the reality of it is, is you probably get it, you probably try it, nobody would ever care. But there's that thought in the back of your mind, like what if somebody cared? <laughs> You know, what if I got pulled over for one reason or another? What if somebody cared? <laughs> I, I just don't want no part of that. Make yeah, it, and, and make some, it legal. And in some and cases, then, yeah. And in some cases, like even with the CBD oil, uh, you can fail a drug test. In some cases, it's not. It's it's rare, but it, but it has happened. Yeah, and see, and that's my thing is like, you know, I work for a company that. You know, they don't randomly drug test us, but if something were to happen, like you get, you get into an accident in the parking lot, somebody backs into you, they, they can, you know, request that you take a drug test. And, you know, I, I would hate to, you know, lose a career because of something as trivial as that. I don't, I don't know if it would happen, but it's just like, leave no doubt. That's my opinion. So. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, with my, with my job, uh, I used to have to go on to, um, customer sites every, you know, a few times a year to, to kind of diagnose problems and resolve them. And for me to even want, uh, step onto a hospital site that's under construction, I have to get drug tested before I can even stand on the site. So you had to get drug tested multiple times a year? Uh, yeah. I, I only, I've only been to two hospitals that were under construction, but yeah, both times I had to do that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, going onto a hospital construction site, there's a lot of red tape. Before you can even go on the site, I've got to get drug tested. Then I have to take like a three-hour class, which is basically like just me sitting there with a group full of guys watching instructionals. You know, I got I have to have my own hard hat, my own vest, uh, my own steel-toed boots, my own safety glasses, and then I can finally get onto the site. Ah, uh, okay. And I was I was going on onto this hospital a week before it opened. So there was no real construction going on. They're at the point where they're installing everything in the hospital. So all, all the walls are up, uh, all the drywalls hung, everything's all ready to go. It's just everyone's putting in the different devices on the walls. And, and I had to go through all that just, just to be at that stage. Huh. Yeah, that's some, uh, some interesting stuff right there. But, yeah. you know... People have reasons for things, I guess, and you didn't fail the test, obviously, so you got to go into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always funny when, when my boss pulls me into his office, he's like, yeah, I need you to go out to the site uh, tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, you have to do a drug test to go on site. Are you going to pass it? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going to pass it. No problem. He's like, okay, I know you're in abandoned stuff, so I'm not sure. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're in abandoned stuff. All, yeah. all bands are druggies. Yeah, no, I'm like, no, no, we're drinkers, not smokers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all legal. That's right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. 
There you go. The drinking part is, the driving part is not, which I, you know me, I don't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's bad. Oh, it can be. Yeah, drinking and driving is a horrible thing. That's why we have Uber and Lyft and cell phones that call whoever the hell you want so that your ass doesn't get behind a wheel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, though, it's, it's, it's even Uber and Lyft. Uh, you can't get an Uber past midnight in the suburbs. So, you know, I, you know, that's just fact. And, and the fact is there's still a lot of people in the suburbs that are driving home from the bar and that's just, that's the way it has been. And that's the way it will be until we have better service out here. Unfortunately, I mean, you go into a bar packed Friday night, Saturday night, and there's people everywhere. I'd say more than half are driving home. So what you're saying is that's a business opportunity. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all, all the all the cab drivers that I know, even the Uber drivers that, that do like the late night uh, crowd in the suburbs, are like that's not a fun job, just hauling around drunk people. So, yeah, I wouldn't imagine it is, especially if one of them upchucks in your car. Yeah, a lot of them. It's an instant like seventy five dollar fine if you upchuck in their car. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. yeah. There, there, there. There's provisions for that. That's good, but a good car wash in detail is going to cost you that much money. So, and then you still and, might not get that smell out. And and they're losing money while they're frantically trying to clean it out to finish up their shift that night. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, C- cabs in the suburbs are weird. Uh, all the drivers that I know out here, um, you know, for the companies that they work for, even though they're driving like a yellow traditional taxi cab, they have to buy the cars themselves, and they have to maintain it themselves, even though they work for the cab company. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting out here, and uh, and a lot of them get into it, and it's a big investment for them to get into it, and they've got their monthly, you know, fees they got to pay off, and they're kind of. Even though they're not making good money, uh, they're kind of stuck because they got they got that car they got to pay off and they can't sell. Right. Yeah. Mm, that doesn't sound fun. Which is why Uber and uh, Lyft are, are are great things. Yeah, those seem like pretty positive, positive things. Um, they can be. Yeah. Yeah. If, they got some negatives attached to it, but yeah, I think they're pretty pretty darn good. Yeah. Exactly. There's always going to be negatives. Like I heard the news stories about the about the, the New York cab drivers and how their suicide rates have gone up uh, drastically because of Lyft and Uber, basically. Why? Because, like, they're not so what getting it is work? In New York, because in New York, uh, what it is is you have to get a, what they call a medallion to become a taxi driver. And that basically gives you the right to pick up people. Uh, right now, like, like, and there's not that many, they, they regulate the number of medallions that are out there. And I guess like 10 years ago, uh, a medallion would, would, uh, cost you about a hundred grand, uh, north of a hundred grand. Holy smokes. So, and, and, and the price goes up and up and up over the years traditionally. So a lot of these guys, their plan was that, you know, they got into the taxi business in New York when they were younger and the plan was they're going to work, they're going to, and then they're going to work till they're 60, 65. And then they're going to sell off their medallion, and that medallion was basically, that was going to be their kind of pension. That was what was going to keep them going for a while. Now, uh, because of Lyft and Uber and all that, the, the people aren't buying the medallions, so the resale market for medallions is horrible. 
and now that same medallion's worth uh, you know, less than they, they bought it for. So it's like the great medallion crash of 2016 or whatever. Yeah, that exactly. Submit. Man, that's that's interesting stuff. The world. It is. I mean, to technology, I think it's that that's you know Uber and Lyft have has, has been good, but it's at the same time it has hurt people that were in the business. Well, I think you run into that with anything, though, right? Any new business, any technology or innovation, the stream automation, automation exactly. What it's going to do is it's going to take people that have traditionally been, you know, made money doing a lot of things. It's going to take them out of the equation somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's why they're playing around and doing experiments with uh, universal basic income at some spots. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. What's this? The theory is, is that as technology and automation go on and on and on and on, in, you know, 20 years from now, we're just not going to have enough jobs for, for all the residents of the U.S. They just won't be there. So then they're fighting the idea of uh, universal basic income, which basically guarantees you that you'll make enough to be, uh, like, let's say the poverty number is 35000 Like You'll automatically get $35,000 a year from the government. Um, now, if you go off, you, you can still go off, get a job, and make as much money as you want. Or if you don't want to do that, um, then you can, because you can't get a job or because you choose to become an artist or a painter or whatever, the government will just pay you that money to live. Okay, so what's the incentive then to get a different job? Like, do you get taxed more if you make more money than the 35000 Well, I, people like us, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get the good jobs. That's just the way we are. You know, we're going to want to make, them, make that money for our families because we're not going to want to live, live off that. That's, and some people, that's true. Yeah. So, and some people are very, you know, driven and motivated by what they do as, as a career. So I think those people are going to still work. It's the other people that they think are, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, screw it. I'm just not going to work anymore. So it's a very heated debate right now. And it's interesting. It, 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 both sides have merits to it for the argument. So we would just allow as a society, just allow people to say, okay, I don't want to work anymore. Yeah, that's correct. Huh. I'm not sure I like that. And, but again, put it, it, this will be in the context of in, in the near future where, you know, those warehouse jobs, those, those where jobs are gone, where it's so hard to get a job. Yeah, that's true. So, and it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'd be surprised if it took hold in the U.S., but uh, Sacramento is actually doing a test for it right now. Okay. I think they picked out like a small segment of um, a couple thousand uh, citizens, and they're kind of doing the test of what's going to happen if we try universal basic income. And so it's kind of the experiments happening right now. Hmm. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm for people that can't work. I mean, I, I just I find it hard to believe. There, I think there's jobs going to be everywhere. They just might not be jobs that people necessarily want you know what yeah. i mean um so i don't know i i personally believe that if you can work you should work that's what i believe. Mm -hmm. so but i i do know it's a heated debate when you talk start talking about 
things like, and I know this isn't welfare, but when you start talking about things like welfare and stuff like that, that, you know, it, it can get very heated very quickly. Yeah. And, and, and that comes down to, I think mostly the, the, the argument is because of people that abuse the system. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. So I, I found out something today that might be of interesting news to you. What's that? The rumor has it, the guy, the artist that created Thanos, uh, the comic book character, I don't remember his name, it's escaping me right now, mm-hmm. he, he was at a con, I believe this past weekend, and said that the Russo brothers are going to release an extended cut of Infinity War when it comes out on Blu-ray and DVD, uh, 30 extra minutes of Thanos' backstory. I've heard that. Yeah, I, I saw that on comicbookmovie.com. Uh, comic uh, in the version that I read, it, it made it sound more like there, it was going to be in the DVD extras, where they were going to have like 30 minutes of extra Thanos material, possibly. Oh, okay. So you read that it would be in the extras. I had read that it would actually be part of the movie as like an extended cut. So. Yeah. Either way, um, I'll, I'll take it. I, I'll love it. Yeah. I I agree with you. I would much rather it be in the movie, but even if it's an extra, like I'll take that. Yeah. So so that should be uh, should be really cool. Uh, if it comes to fruition, if it's real. So. Yeah. Yeah. It very well could be. Yeah. Um. So what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. Like we we we, we like uh, just went. Yeah, we did. Uh, we can talk about whatever you want. You want to talk about the box office? You want to talk about other random movie stuff? You want to talk about politics, trivia, whatever you like. I don't want to talk about politics because politics depress me. Um, you do want to talk about politics? No, I don't. No. Uh, I don't okay. want to be depressed at all. Okay. It's sad. It's I don't know. I heard Mexico <laughs> got a new president though. President-elect, if you will. They did. First Democratic uh, president in Mexico in, I think, like 30 years, I think is what they said. So wouldn't it be crazy if he said, I'm building a wall to keep Americans out? (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah, I can't talk about politics. I I know uh, Jurassic World did big again this weekend. They right? did. Dr- Jurassic World and Incredibles held on to the number one and two spots in the box office. Uh, Jurassic World did $60 million in its second week for $265 million total. Incredibles 2 did $46 million in its third week at $440 million. Yeah, that Incredibles movie, man. It, like I knew Jurassic World would do well, but the sequel to Incredibles, I was never really sure because you know it had been so long since the first one came out. Mm-hmm. But wow. Like, that's making a lot of money. It's staying steady too. So, yeah, it, yeah. It looks like it's yeah. It only went down forty two percent in its third week. That's pretty good for a third week. You, usually, these big uh, smash openings they usually go down fifty, sixty, seventy percent every week. So, yeah, it's holding strong. Um, what like what, what did the new movies do last week? Do you know? Yeah, uh, Sicario uh, and uh, Uncle Drew took numbers three and four. Uh, okay. Sicario did ni- 19 million. Uncle Drew did 15 million. 
Uh, and then, and also, we talked about that uh, biography of uh, Sanju about the uh, Bollywood uh, actor. That actually came in at number eight with uh, two point seven million in its first week. Wow, that's that's a pretty decent amount of money for a documentary. I was shocked. The shock, the fact that it's in the top ten list with, I mean, if you look at the top ten list, Jurassic World, Incredibles two, uh, Sicario two, Uncle Drew, Ocean's eight, Tag, Deadpool two, Sanju. And then, and then number nine and ten are uh, solo a Star Wars story, and then, and then number ten is uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," the, doc, the Mr. Rogers documentary. How much did that make? Uh, let's see. It's its fourth week. It made two point four million over the weekend for seven point six million total. My aunt actually went and saw that. She told my wife that it was very emotional. Yeah. Did she cry? Yeah, she did. Every single person I, I've heard that's gone to this has cried. It's interesting. Like, I I really, like, out of curiosity, I want to see it just to see if it makes me cry because I'm not a movie, I'm not a crier. Uh, so I would be, I'm, like, interested now. It's like a test. Can you make me cry? But then I don't know. Would it be, like, sitting there saying, no, you can't make me cry. I won't allow it. <laughs> I think you'd be more prone to throw something at the screen than cry. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> You've seen me watch football. <laughs> Stop making me feel feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So Infinity War is no longer in the top 10. It's down. It went from number nine to number 12 this week. It made 1.5 million Ooh. in its 10th week. So where so, is it all time in the, the global dominance? It, it's number four for both, for U.S. and for global. Okay, so it'll probably stay at number four, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't think it's got it. To, for, for it to take number three, it needs to make another like $25 million in the U.S., and I don't see that happening. No, no. Mm-mm. Now, if they released the Thanos cut in theaters, then maybe it would make a oh. ton of it. It would shoot up oh. to number one again. I, guarantee, I would might. guarantee it. I would uh, go. I would go, too. I, <laughs> I absolutely would. Um, so what's opening this week? All right. Uh, just, just another note: all the other uh, movies that opened last weekend uh, that we talked about last week, um, all of them were very limited releases. Uh, nothing was in, in more than ten theaters, so nothing big on the uh, numbers for them. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. This weekend, a uh, couple big ones. This weekend, we've got uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp coming out this weekend. Oh, that That's comes out this to- weekend, huh? The, wow. you know, that's the seventh or the sixth, excuse me. It's projected to come out and make about 80 million this weekend. Hmm. What, do we know what the original made? Probably not that much, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, it up. I think less than that. If I, if I do recall, but it, maybe it's right around that. I, I don't know. Um, I think it looks interesting. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. I'll go check it out probably next week and, and see how it is. Um, but then again, we don't have another Marvel movie, I think, until Captain Marvel in February, maybe. Sounds about right. I think I think you're correct. Yeah, and, which is probably a big reason why they decided not to come to Comic Con um, this year. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I've heard like uh, Marvel's not coming to Comic Con, and I heard uh, a couple other people. Uh, a couple other big studios are not coming to Comic-Con as well. 
but I, I think Marvel makes sense. They, yeah. they don't need they don't need to go to Comic Con, so why spend the money? We're going to go see the movies anyways. And and right now, it's just I think the timing's wrong for them to try to show like the first five minutes of uh, Captain Marvel or, or anything like that. So I I I respect their decision. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So the first. I'm sorry. Uh, first Ant Man movie made 57 million in its opening weekend. Oh wow! Okay, and did 180 total. So if this one makes 80, I mean that's that's going to be pretty solid. Yeah, mo- most most of the single Marvel movies have made the big ones have made right around like 200k. So it it yeah it, it's right in sight of that. Good deal. Well, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I said, I'll probably check it out next weekend. Is there anything else opening this week? There is. Uh, we've got, where are we? Uh, the first purge opens, uh, on the 4th of July. Um, are you a fan? Are you a fan uh, of the purge movies? I have never seen any of the purge movies. I love the purge movies. I think they're so incredibly smart. So give me the premise of the purge. All right, it, it, we're in the near future, let's say twenty years from now, and uh, a government has has made a new law that one day a year you can do whatever you want and you won't go to jail. There's no there's no law enforcement. There's no nothing. It's complete anarchy for one day. Whatever you want. Yes, and and what most people choose is murder. Um. Okay. <laughs> so, so the first movie is all about uh, it's starring e- Ethan Hawke. It's about his family; they're a wealthier family, and they have this whole system to kind of turn their house into a fortress for the purge, so that during the purge they just stay inside the house where no one can mess with them, while outside people are running around and killing each other. Okay. And then in that movie, basically, a guy runs up to their front doorstep, you know, begging them to let him in because this group of guys are chasing him. And and his daughter lets him in, and that's kind of these guys are trying to the entire movie trying to get in the house to get the guy, and and then they get mad and they want to take out the family as well. So okay, the guy runs up to the house, hey, let me in, and the kid lets him in. Yeah. Okay, that's special. <laughs> okay, but it sounds like okay. All right, so so what are the subsequent movies about then? Uh, the last one was called Purge Election Year, and it's all about a candidate trying to uh, become president, I believe, and and she wants to get rid of the purge. That that's her platform. So so on the night of the purge, basically, like the the powers that be, like the Illuminati type people, are trying to get rid of her. Okay. I, these these sound like pretty interesting stories, though. So I might have to check them out. When, when, when you go and you watch them, it's it's an interesting idea. It I, I always when I get done watching one of those, it makes me think a lot about what would it really happen if this really happened in the U.S. And it's it's a very dark kind of dystopian future that I'm like, mm. it's one of those things that it's completely you know immoral, but it in terms of like the wealth and health of the nation it would be uh, good for it, which is so bizarre. So that's like almost like that thing that, uh, you know, when you watch Infinity War, you're like, 
I can kind of see Thanos's point <laughs> kind of yes. thing. This one, I see it more uh, because I, this one is a little bit more relatable because if we had a purge, you know, you know, let's say the first year of the purge, what would happen? My guess is that the gangs would just go after each other and just blow each other apart. Would you agree with that? Um, hmm. Maybe partially. Maybe, the, 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 maybe partially. The, the homeless would be slaughtered for, for these sick fucks that just want to kill people. See, but then I wonder, like, uh, would the government come in and they, like, do things? Uh, and, you know, because if they, they could essentially do whatever they wanted as well, right? That's true. That's very, very true. Uh, it's an interesting thought. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like there's a, a bigger chance, like, let's say 25, 30 years in the future, do you feel like there's a bigger chance of something like the purge happening or something like Ready Player One? That Ready you, Player One. You, so you think there's a bigger chance that people are all like indoors communicating only through the internet and not seeing people face to face on the majority of the time. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I used to work with some guys that were hardcore gamers and these guys had huge, huge online identities. Um, like, like the one he, he had a podcast about him playing this game and it was, and at, the, and at one point in time, it was like the number one, independent podcast on iTunes. Um, and he had like these followers on social media and he was constantly chatting with people online while he was playing these games in real life, maybe two or three friends and didn't go out very much. And they, they would get together like quarterly to hang out. So we're kind of starting to see ready player one already on a small scale. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't know if we're going to get to a point where we just say, hey, crime wave all you want for the next 24 hours. I don't know if we'd get to that point, but I do see more and more people. Like I go, I'll leave my office, right? And I'll walk the floors to 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 make it look like I'm active and trying to like lose weight and stuff like that. So I'll mm -hmm. walk the floor to get my steps and whatever. And I'll just, I'll, I'll walk and I'll watch people, uh, not like the creepy way, but just like glance as I'm walking. And it's like, I would tell you any given time, more than 50% of the people there at work working have their face and their, t their phones, their personal phones. Yep. And it's like, that's just so interesting to me. Or like if you sit, you, you go on a plane or a bus or something like that, how nobody talks to anybody. Everybody is always just looking down at a device and it's, um, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, earlier we we're talking about drugs and, uh, smartphones and apps are drug-like, you know, they, they really, you know, people, especially social, social media, excuse me. You know, social media, you know, they, there are endorphin releases from being on social media and posting and getting feedback, and then you, you want that feedback. And there's a, there's been a lot that the mental health community has written up about social media and just how sucked into this, this drug that you get. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so they turned this into a movie, uh, but I read the book prior to the movie coming out, and it's called The Circle. Did you hear about that movie? 
I don't think so. Uh, yes, yes, I did see that. Okay, that's with that's with Tom Hanks and uh, Hermione. I, I don't yes. know her real name. Uh, Emma yeah. Emma Watson, I believe, is her name. Uh, yeah. So the book is really really good. The movie was not so much, uh, <laughs> but it is an interesting concept where you know this this company right they wanted to complete the circle which is essentially everything you do is online and you know it, it's it's really interesting because people want to be able to see you at all times they want to be able to hear you at all times they you know all of that stuff and people want to be seen that same way and it's just like mind boggling to me because as you know, I'm not on social media and I got off of social media because I think the initial idea of it and staying connected to your family and friends is a cool idea. I've never been that type of person like, hey, man, we were cool at one part of my life and I don't have any bad blood with you. I just I just move on to the next step in my life. And uh, so I thought the idea of it was nice to be able to communicate with people, but then it quickly became, you know, posting of videos and posting of news and stories and this, that, and the other thing that really had nothing to do with your life. Uh, and I was just like, I couldn't deal with that portion of it anymore. So I've, I've been social media free for, for three years now. I'm about a year and a half right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll stalk like on, like if somebody has like a Facebook page, like my son, I've talked about before, my son, he collects, uh, pop figures from Funko and there's a couple of Facebook pages that like give like release dates and stuff like that. So I'll go on there and I'll look at, read through the release dates, but it's not like I'm not interacting with anybody. To me, it's just a news blog. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, same thing. I I I want to sell off some music gear in the next uh, few months, and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna have to re rejoin one of one of my Facebook groups to do that because there was a great group for doing that, and, yeah. and that's one of the things that 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 was good on Facebook. It's just it's just everything else that that came along with it. All the reposts just got annoying. You know, I got off uh, October 2016, and uh, two of the big reasons why, or three of the big reasons why I got I got off was one was uh, the election. It got ins insane uh, on Facebook where my, you know, distant uncle is having a screaming match with my dad's old friend. And I'm friends with them both. And I'm seeing this happen online. I'm like, uh, you got to be kidding me. And, uh, and, and the fact that it was, it's now socially acceptable to having a complete breakdown on Facebook is just blows my mind. We're kind of like, you can tell people are crying as they're typing the letters. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want this. This used to be fun. I, you know, I came to Facebook for fun. This is just, this is too much. Yeah, either that or people bullying people because they have an opinion or they post a picture or like people want to dissect everything about people's lives. And, you know, it's funny to me because there was like, there was this one thing that I remember it was five or six years ago, somebody had posted a picture of their kid in the bathtub, right? And like you start reading the comments and at first they start out with, oh, that's so cute. And it reminds you of like when you were a kid, there's everybody had a picture of, 
you know, uh, like everybody's parents had a picture of them, you know, running around with just a diaper on or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, in a bathtub or something like that. There was no malice behind it whatsoever. But then you start reading and these people start commenting on like, you know, that's child pornography or stupid stuff like that. And I'm like, when did like this innocence of the world or perceived innocence, right? Just kind of go away completely. And everybody felt like they had to dissect everything and everybody had to have an opinion that was negative towards everything instead of just being like, Hey, cute kid and moving on. Like, what do you gain by trying to tear somebody down like that? Yeah. People trying to, I I never saw the bullying firsthand, but I, I know what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, there's a flip side to, to that story as well, too. Uh, from the person that posted that picture, where did people's uh, sense of privacy go, go uh, away to? And where did their modesty go to? Because cause they are literally sharing that picture of their child with the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I, think the, I think it's moderation. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Because to me, like... I do see that point where it's like, there's that picture, uh, specifically, let's go back to that example. And it's like, you share that picture. And if like, that's all your relatives and your really good friends, that's fine. But people have like five, 600 Facebook friends and quote unquote. And it's like, that's no longer private. You know, that's no longer an intimate story. And you, and you have your, your Facebook settings so that friends of friends can see the post. And then all of a sudden that number just goes up and up and up and up. Right. Exactly. It's friends of friends can see the post, but you couldn't like when I did have it, I had it on like the most private you could be, but there was always friends of friends. You could never just be only your friends could see it because they wanted you to have more friends. They want you to connect with these other people. Yeah. yeah and, and that's a lot of what happened during the, the Zuckerberg hearings um, with the, with the house and Senate was a lot of what they're talking about is Zuckerberg was saying, well, hey, there are settings that you, that you can trim this stuff down to be as non-intrusive as possible. And what they're coming back was, yeah, but your defaults are everything's wide open and you're making people try to k- kind of go through all these submit menus to turn all this stuff off to get to the privacy that they want to. Yeah, and even at that point, I mean, even if you called Facebook and said, I only want my friends, they wouldn't do that. They just, there's no way to only do that. Because they mm-hmm. want, they want you to do that. And then they'll also send you, like I've, I've seen it because my wife is still involved in social media and like, I get why she does it. Like I have no problems with her doing it, but like I'll see her and she'll show me things on social media and she'll like scroll to do something. I'm like, well, who's that person? She was like, I don't know. It's a friend of so and so. And it's like, they suggest you a person be based on their post or something like that. And it's just like, man, that's crazy. And like yesterday she was showing me, for example, uh, she has somebody that she's friends with, uh, a relative of hers. I won't say who, but they were posting political things. And she literally, like, she doesn't want to unfriend the person, but she wants to unfollow them. So she doesn't see their post in her timeline. Mm -hmm. And literally she clicked unfollow like five different times on five different messages and the stuff is still showing up. <laughs> and, and, and she, she can't just unfollow the person. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like she, she unfollowed the post, uh, the person, and she thought that was it. And she was like, 
Why is all this stuff show, showing up? So she's like unfollowing the person, the, like the news program that that person follows. So that like that news program posts won't show up in her feed. I see. Oh, uh, because, because they, they were commenting on something that, that was on, that she was following and she could still see that person's comments. No, no, they weren't coloring. Uh, she wasn't uh, doing that. So that person would share, let's just say, for instance, Fox News. Don't know if that was it or not. But they would share Fox News post. She would unfollow that person. But because they shared Fox News, she had to go in and unfollow that person following Fox News or something like that for it to not show up. Because it, yeah. was, it was showing up based on Fox News, not on the person. So, sounds like it's gotten more complex uh, to unfollow in the last year and a half. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I know a year year and a half ago when I unfollowed someone, they were just ex- like a race from existence almost. Yeah, like you're still friends with them, you just don't see what they post all the time. That, well, yeah, well, I mean, when I did it, I, I never saw them ever again unless they posted it on something that I posted. Right, right. So. Yeah, it it was just really strange, and I don't know if it was a glitch. Like I don't, I, I don't want to say that that's just the way that it is now, but I can, I do know that. Like I was like, "What the hell, man!" Another reason I'm no longer on social media. Yeah, or like the other thing I, I was, I had to talk with your wife about this. Was I can't figure. I'm, I still use Facebook Messenger to talk to some people, and um, it, it shows your activity status if you're online or not. And I'm like, I, I, I would love to turn this off. I find this evasive and I'm like, and I can't figure out how to do it. And she's like, Oh, you just do this, 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 this. And she shows me on, on her phone, on her phone, which is a droid. I go on my phone, which is an iPhone. Doesn't work. Uh, it's the, the menus are, are set up completely differently across platform. I went online for about an hour reading how to's on how to do it. None of them worked. Wow. Yeah. See that just, just make it so damn difficult, man so damn difficult it's it's completely insane to me and and i'll tell you what i was i so i've been off of facebook for a long time now and about about two years ago uh my wife had said something to me she was like did you start your facebook back up and i'm like no you'd be the first person to know if i did but uh i guess it reactivated my account Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? Because I didn't do it, but it automatically reactivated. So I had to go in and deactivate, which is funny because when you deactivate your account, you close your account, anything that you've ever posted stays. Your pictures, yeah. everything like that. So I literally, I spent four or five hours within a two or three day period and I went in and I deleted every single picture that I had posted. And then I deactivated my account and knock on wood since then it hasn't reactivated, but I just thought that was weird that it automatically reactivated my account. So people were sending me friends requests and stuff like that. And I hadn't been on my account in like two, three years. Mm-hmm. You can never yeah. really get away. My, my, my account was reactivated once uh, so since I got rid of it a year and a half ago. And it was because of your daughter, my daughter. Yeah. Is she on Facebook? No, it, it, it's hilarious. She she asked me if she could download that piano game to play on my phone, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's one of those uh, piano games where you try to like, you know, press the, the 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 phone to follow the notes on the screen. Yeah, I'm familiar. 
She downloads it. She opens it up, presses a button, uh, starts playing the game. Turns out the, the button that she did to log in was log in using your Facebook account. And when she pressed that button, it automatically turned my Facebook account back on. Holy crap. Really? Yeah, so using a third-party game and, and pressing login in with Facebook reactivated my account. Oh, my goodness. And you know what, man? It's not going to get any better because I, I do believe there's going to be a day when Facebook goes away. It, it, it'll lose so much stuff because somebody will come out and say, you know, we're like Facebook, but better. Kind of like how Facebook came out and said, we're like MySpace, but better. Uh, you know, uh, I, somebody will take over. They'll gain a popularity. And maybe it already exists. Maybe it's a version of Snapchat or Twitter or uh, Instagram is the other one. You know, maybe it's stuff like that and they'll just edit it and change it, evolve it. But I think Facebook will go away and there'll be something else. And then eventually that'll go away. So it's, it's crazy. Social media is not going to go away. I can tell you that much. I think, I think Facebook's here to stay. Um, I used to, th I used to agree with you, but now I see how much money is behind Facebook and how much they're getting more and more from ads and, and from their algorithms and all that and how they keep on buying up the competitors that, that look like they might take some of their market share. Cause they bought, which one did they buy? Was it, they, they, they bought Snapchat, right? I think so. And did they buy, and there's another one they bought as well too. I can't remember what, but they just, they have so much money. I think they can buy away their competition. So you don't, so you don't think that people are just going to get at some point, just say like, I don't want nothing to do with this Facebook anymore. Kind of like how we did. They, they, they can, if, if the mass world start, starts transcending to some, someone else, <clears throat> I think they'll have commercials like they have right now. They'll have uh, a lot of speakers for them. Uh, either they'll be paying people to, to come to Facebook, like uh, celebrities and all that to, and to keep people stuck at Facebook. And, the, and they'll change their, they'll change their layout. They'll change their algorithm. They'll change how they do ads. They'll do just enough to keep making money and keeping people there. I just think, I think they've made too much money and they're too profitable every year. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I guess one of the things I've learned in life is just because I don't like it doesn't mean other people don't. <laughs> so, you know, well, well, that's a thing. Most people, when, when's the last time you've heard someone talk, talk about how much they love Facebook? Most people that, that are on Facebook complain about it. Well, yeah. I mean, my wife uses it. Like I said, she, so she, my wife typically will give up Facebook for Lent, which is like a decompression of 40 days, uh, you know, just no social media type thing. And she did it this year, but that 40 days turned into four months. And the only reason that she she went back, I mean, I think there were probably smaller reasons, but the biggest reason is because, uh, you know, she's part of uh, foster care support groups and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that in regards to that information and uh, how people's cases and how to deal with things and whatnot, like there's a lot of information she gets from that. And, you know, it's it's like a support group uh, for foster care. And it's very valuable for her. So I think that was one of the biggest reasons that she went back to it. Um, but to this day, she's like, 
you know, when she went back, she was like, I didn't miss anything, you know, other than being able to communicate with these foster care people. And, you know, I think it's easier for some people to just post in this community like that it is. It's almost, it's essentially a message board. It's a glorified message board where people will post and then other people can comment on that post. And, you know, it helps foster parents deal with specific things and, and she knows she finds value in it, which I think is, is awesome because I would love to say like, I know everything there is about foster care, but I don't. But then there's part of me that I don't give a crap, you know, <laughs> what mm-hmm. other, so, you know, but she does, which thank God, because if not, I'd be ignorant to it. And, you know, I wouldn't know half the things that I do know. So thank God for her. But uh, I think that was probably the biggest reason why she got back on Facebook and, uh, it'll be hard for her to leave, I think, ever permanently because of that specific thing. Maybe if one day we stop be, being foster parents, she will do that. But, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, but four, four days, 40 days turned into four months this time. Maybe next year it's double that. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yes, we shall. What the hell were we talking about? How did we get on Facebook? Oh, we started talking about that movie. Yeah, never mind. Rewind. The Back Purge. Up. The Purge. Yeah, yes. the, the, the link between Facebook and The Purge. Uh. But anyways, if you get a chance, you should check out one of The Purge movies. I I think they make me think. Like for the next few days, I'm just like, whoever wrote this was smart. They've, they've got some ideas here. Yeah, I might do that. I've been watching a couple of things on Netflix. Uh, recently, a lot of stand-up comedy. I listen. Cool. I, I watched your Tom. So what is Savoyga? Savoy Savoya. Tom he's, Segura. Segura, that's him. He's pretty funny, man. He's he is pretty, good. He's pretty funny. Watched him. Uh, watched two of his shows. Watched. Um, uh, I can't remember her name. Um, it is an Asian American lady. Uh, um, Ellie Wong. Yes. I didn't like her at all. Not even a little did, bit. Did, did you watch uh, Cobra Lady or did you no, watch the new one? I watched the new one. Uh, Baby Cobra is phenomenal. Uh, Isn't the it? second one I, I didn't like. I didn't yeah. like it. I, I just, it didn't really make me laugh. Uh, the first one is one of my all time favorites. Baby Cobra oh. is the name. Well, maybe I'll have to go back and watch Baby Cobra. I watched, uh, Tiffany Haddish. On Showtime, she's got a stand-up on Showtime, which was hilarious. Uh, that was recorded, I think, in 2017. So funny. And then uh, George Lopez has one that I think was recorded last year. I think it's called Meet at the Wall or Beyond the Wall or something to do is, with is the wall. Is that the one where the background's the, the, the border wall? Yes. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. I, uh, I think I think you can see that what that one comedy special, and you're good on like political commentary from a comedian for years, because he discovers it inside and out that entire special. Yes, yes, and I love. I tell you what, w- when you talk about immigration and everything like that, and not, I don't want to turn this political, but when you talk about immigration, rarely do you ever hear from Mexican Americans. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you hear a lot of political speak. But they're usually from these white people, right? And I mean, 
to hear some a Mexican American talk about because the great thing is is like that was funny, but there were also a lot of things that he said that it's like you know that's absolutely true. He said it in a funny way, but it make it doesn't make it any less true. So um, you know, I, I I really really enjoyed uh, that that special. Yeah. Hey, do you want to get a little political? Sure. I dip my toe in the water. All right. So, so, so last time I've checked, which was like I think late last week, there were still about two thousand kids that were separated from their parents because of this new border immigration uh, rules or strategy that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number is very, very, very slowly going down. A couple hundred a week, from what I've been hearing. Um. But the cost in in terms of separating children at the border is insanely high, insanely high. Uh, let me see if I can find find the right right numbers. So, uh, at a permanent facility where they're holding children, uh, like in uh, Brownsville, Texas, it's cost about two hundred and fifty six dollars per kid per night. Uh, at a facility uh, in Dilly, Texas, where they keep the families together. It's cost them about 298 per person per night. Now, these tent cities that they put up to put these kids at that they separated from their parents uh, at the border, that's costing us $775 per child per night. Why so much? Because everything at the facility is rented. The tents, the air conditioners, everything is rented. Oh, Wow. That's, that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It, I mean, at 2000 kids at $775 per night, a lot of people are online going, you got to be kidding me. If these, if we're spending this kind of money on each kid, they better have their own personal attorney and their own personal school teacher. This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is one of those things where if you look at, um, you know, the history of, of the U S and, you know, look no further than a war, right. And how much things cost to go to war and, and everything like that. It is, it is truly mind boggling the money spent. Like I can tell you a stat in regards to foster care that the U S government, uh, uh, this was in 2016 there, uh, I read this article. The U.S. government gives each state $250,000 in money per year for every single foster kid that they have in foster wow. care. 250000 per kid per year. And that does not include the money that uh, is spent on, you know, rehabilitation for parents, uh, for, you know, caseworkers and lawyers, judges, all of the money. If you ever want to be mind blown, look at how much it costs for a single foster care to kid to be in care for one year. It is, it will blow you away how much money is spent in this country in foster care. And that doesn't that that doesn't cover caseworkers, is what you're saying. So, so that none of that money goes to um, DCFS or anything like that. I I don't know what the money goes to, right? So it's like the money goes to you know goes from the government and goes to the state. Uh, 
and then the state disperses it. <laughs> Our state, who knows who gets it, but, <laughs> you know, the money is dispersed from that point to the different programs or whatever the case may be. Now, that's how much they get from the government. That's not, you know, saying that's all the money that's spent, though, because you know as well as I do that, like, for instance, I can tell you, a caseworker, I know for a fact uh, that we previously had encountered, um, not saying that we worked with her, but just knew of her, that caseworker made 120000 plus a year. I'm not saying she didn't deserve it. I'm just saying that was her pay. So mm -hmm. if you take that $250,000 and you take it, the 120 away from it, you still got $130,000. But that's for one kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a lot of money. And and Illinois has a high uh, foster care rate. So that number, that 700 something dollars a night, it's high. But to me, it's not surprising just because I know how much we spend government wise on the foster care system. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. Yeah, it it is that, that we use so much money in this country on different things that. Uh, oh God, it, it, it's like the same number. It's two eighty two, two hundred eighty two thousand at seven seventy five a night. Okay, so so yeah, and that so uh, I wasn't off then when I said that it's not surprising. Um, when when you deal with children and, you know, taking children away from families, be it rightly or unrightly, it costs a tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of money. Very interesting. It, it's too bad these kids at the border don't get the kind of representation and care that the, the foster kids get. With, right. with, with almost the same amount of money. Right. Well, and, but so you got to look at it also as like, well, foster care, the care that they get, you know, your exposure to kids in foster care is, you know, for instance, my home, right? That's what you've seen. But there are a lot of kids that are in like group homes and stuff like that where they don't, you know, they're not taken care of well either, you know? So it's, it's definitely, um, okay. So my son is calling me, Derek. We will have to pick up this conversation later. Okay. All right, sir. I will talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We have no idea what we'll talk about next time, but I'm sure we'll have a good time doing it. Our email address is thecommutehome at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, drive safe, everybody.